All right, everybody, welcome into Concrete Jungle, a New York baseball podcast. I am Paul Russo, coming to you live from the FairLakes1.com studios here in Seneca Falls, New York, joined as always by Kyle Evans. Kyle, happy Thursday. We made it to the late week. Um, what an interesting week it's been of baseball, and um, I wish we didn't have to continuously, well, not continuously, but... I wish we didn't have to spend the better part of two straight podcasts discussing rosin, but um, we'll be doing just that. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe we're going to discuss stuff that's literally legal, but yet uh, Phil Cuzzy always wants to start problems with pitchers, and I'm calling him out for a reason. You guys will see later in the show. But, yeah, it's been an eventful week for sure. You, uh, you ain't got to do my guy, my Italian compatriot, Phil, that way. I'm not fan of that the way you just did it quite frankly um everything else like that by the way i uh, this is a new york baseball podcast so i can i can go down this route i'm allowed to go down this route um guess where i was last night a baseball game well yes correct a baseball game but you know syracuse for syracuse was postponed and rochester's on the road yeah, yeah. where would you have gone do, 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 do. Wow, this is, this has me. I don't know. Well, I went because uh, here's the thing. We have our neighbor, shout out DJ Bruni, pitches for Cuca. And uh, they were playing the resurrected Hobart team last night at McDonough. So I was over at McDonough in oh. Geneva, and he came in. Nice little collective inning of relief. Um, I know the, the Wolves lost. Uh, to the statesman, but uh, he looked he looked really good out there. Shout out DJ Bruni. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm just happy that we have more baseball in the area. I think it's pretty cool, especially for uh, you know Geneva. They have a really rich, you know. I know this portion of it gets hyper local um, in this sense, but like Geneva has a really rich baseball history that I don't think many our age, uh, between me and you, Kyle, really kind of know. I mean, it's. Uh, up until 1993, they had affiliated ball with in the Penn League. With, I mean, effectively, it was single A pretty much the whole time. The Class D, the way it was structured, you know, during you know wartime and stuff like that. But um, look, I mean, they had a lot of good players come through Geneva at certain points. Uh, Pete Rose, Tony Perez, uh, all the way through, really pretty much to the end with the Cubs. I mean, Steve Traxel was there, Doug Lanville. So, um, you know, it's good to see Hobart kind of bring that field back to a little bit more life. I mean, they have the college team there in the summer, but um, the fact that that field's going to get some more more go of things with a, with a school that brought a program back after being dormant since 95, I believe, that's, you know, pretty pretty cool. Pretty yeah, and is this their first or second year playing first. there? First. Okay. Yeah, and I think they did some maybe renovations there last time I heard. Yeah, there's uh, you can you can notice there were, I don't know about maybe renovations at least off the bat, at least – visually from where we were in the stands the clubhouse down the right field line looked in really good shape probably the best i've seen it in a while to be quite honest um that scoreboard is new i couldn't yeah the scoreboard is new yeah it is new yeah now like a few that. years old yeah but newer yeah but um i know looking because you couldn't get a really good look into the clubhouse, but it was really lit up, and at least there was, like, activity in there. I mean, that's something that, you know, the few games I've been to, at least up there for 
whether it be, you know, the like I said, the Geneva Red Wings, you know, the, the summer team that's there to, uh, you know, back in the day they had the two teams there with the Twins. Um, you know, some of that, you know, I rarely really ever saw. It. I actually played on that field a couple of different times, be it high school and summer ball. Yep, same here. Um, not, not with, like, to say the perfect game or anything like that, but, um, uh, you know, just kind of travel stuff. And, um, I mean, it's always kind of kicked when you're playing there, right, as um, – you know, high school or anyway, because I mean, look, like I said, I mean, it's it's a pro park from back in the day. I mean, it's very, very much so like Colbert. I know we're down a different path right now, but um, you know, they play kind of similar in that sense. But it's all I always got a kick of playing at those places. So, but yeah, it was quite quite the interesting night there. Had a lot of fun and uh, good to see. Like I said, it's good. It's good to see a collective kind of. Um, takeover here not takeover what just a couple more teams kind of get going a little bit right i mean it's we are kind of know that baseball's a bit dying on quote unquote you know a little bit around here especially so um you know it'll be it will be pretty cool i think because once hobart i mean it's tough right now for a school like hobart right i mean it's just a lot of fifth years and transfers and stuff like that um and once you know they kind of get structured up a little bit better you know like take off. I mean, Division Three is quite an interesting kind of grouping, at least around here in the Finger Lakes, right? I mean, Ithaca and Cortland kind of usually take the cake there, but you know, Oswego in recent years have been really good. Brockport's usually pretty good. Um, I know Cuke is down at the moment collectively, but you know, they're trying to get things back to where you know they're competitive year in and year out. So, uh, and U of R, I kind of forget up by Rochester a little bit even more, right? U of R is always pretty good. Usually, I know say John Fisher this year is really good. So, um, plenty of stuff to keep an eye on there. Uh, before we get any further, I gotta thank today's uh, today's sponsors here, Dewey's Tavern, within walking distance downtown here, just across Bridge Street here in Santa Falls. Play Quick Draw Lottery, 19 televisions for all your sporting events. Great food for lunch and dinner. They also have bocce darts and pool weeks, so you can check them out at Dewey'sThirdWord.com. I had a chicken Philly from them on Tuesday night. Ooh, it was fantastic. A little, little, little peppers, onions, and some mushroom action on there, Kyle. Can't beat it. Can't yeah, beat it. Sounds really good. Yeah. All right. So uh, as we alluded to, let's just get into this with the Mets here. Um, like I said, I, I kind of am sick of kind of doing this where it's like, oh, we have to talk about uh, other pieces of business here before, uh, you know, some games. So we're going to switch it up slightly here initially before we jump into the Scherzer thing, because I do want to give some just due and respect here to Brandon Nimmo, um, who... Uh, propelled the Mets to a win yesterday. It was 5-for-5. Five five. Uh, but uh, just going back through the weekend and up to this point, you want to talk about finding his stride here after being semi-dormant to start the year? Um, that just big stuff from Nimmo to get going. Yeah, and, you know, we did it against a team that for the last several years has been really good um, on the pitching side as well. And I know we're going to talk about it more, but I thought – the way the Mets respond in that series and, you know, continued their road trip on a, on a good, good way. It was really good to see. Yeah. And I, you know, Nimmo's a guy that, you know, not to, I'd say harp on too, too much in that sense that we talked about on Monday, but he's a guy that look was, ended up being their big kind of offensive signee this past off season, right? Stay with the team. Um, and versatile enough, like, look, we, well, on the fielding aspect on the outfield, but versatile enough that you can kind of put him, 
at a couple of different spots in the top part of the order and you're fine with it. Um, and that's big for, you know, throughout the season. If you're, you got to sit a guy for a day or guy gets hurt and you're kind of put into that position, you know, kind of, I'd say, you know, out of, out of, out of, you know, you just got to do it to do it. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, we talk about a lot of the heavy hitters, right? Whether it's for, you know, with the Mets, like we talk about Pete Alonzo a lot, Lindor, um, you know, the Yankees, right? Always it's Sayer and Judge and usually some sort of combo of Stanton and Rizzo or something like that offensively. But, you know, a guy like Nimmo, who last year has a career year more or less to get the contract, for him to kind of, you know, like, you know, it's baseball. Kind of just start off slow sometimes or get going slow sometimes. For him to kind of bounce back, like I said, in this position in order to do it and get going and now really kind of show, like, I got this money for a reason. Like, that's big. Like, he, he can be that guy that we talk about now where it's maybe Alonzo and Lindor and – Brandon Nimmo, you know. Yeah, and I feel like I've said it um, over the past few shows on paper that that Mets lineup is pretty good to me. Um, you know, you just mentioned Nimmo, who's starting to get really hot. Lindor, you know, he had a great year last year. Alonzo always, you know, seems to have great years. I just feel like that, specifically the top five in the lineup, they're just, I feel like they're a really good offense. And so some of these games where they don't score a lot of runs, to me, I know those games happen, but it's a little surprising because I think this team is uh, pretty good offensively. Yeah, I know it, it becomes a bit of a non-talking point because of what we have to get to here with Scherzer, but, um, like, Brett Beatty comes up and right off the bat has an impact, you know, and I'm with you. Uh, you call him up, probably should be going, you know, every day here at this point. But, and that game that they didn't yeah. have him in the lineup, but they got shut out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and then Alvarez was on the bench too. I didn't even mention that. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah, but it's catcher. It's a little bit different, maybe in that sense. I don't know. Yeah, but Nito, either way, Nito started the opener though, so I was like, oh, how about that then? All right, let's get to the uh, elephant in the room then, if you will, uh, Max Scherzer. Um, so. As we know, right, I mean, they do the inning checks and whatever. Um, so exits the third inning, goes into the tunnel, told to more or less clean up, figure it out, uh, comes back out for the fourth, they check him again, and uh, proceeds to get ejected. Uh, quite the animated um, exchange, uh, as we know. I mean, we don't call him Mad Max kind of for nothing in that sense, I guess, but... Um, Look, um, and this is the tough part here because uh, you can even tell on the graphic up on the screen for the people watching, even says, like, ejected for rosin use. Like, and this is where it's, <laughs> we, we kind of spoke, we, I mean, we didn't kind of, we did talk about with the Herman issue over the weekend. Um, you know, that rosin is literally the thing that MLB is legalized. They give you a freaking bag of it on the mound. Like, um, it, the MLB has got a problem on its hands to say the least in this sense. Um, and, uh, we'll, we'll circle back to, um, the umpire here situation with, with Phil Cuzzy here in a second. 
But, you know, I know when you shared the tweet with me last night, well, not last night, when it happened yesterday late afternoon because it was a 1 p.m. first pitch on the West Coast and 4, 4 o'clock here, um, you know, it, it was kind of like, oh, we're, this is actually happening. Like, I was like, oh, really? Like, what? Like, what is happening here? And, frankly, I think there is a fair gripe potentially here, if you're Scherzer, because it's pretty apparent that it's based on whatever umpire you probably get. It's depending upon what might happen here. Yeah, and that's where Major League Baseball needs to address the situation. It can't be an uh, umpire, you know, you, you can't have different umpire crews making different calls. All calls should be the same. You can't have, you know, one pitcher getting ejected like Scherzer did and then Herman not getting ejected when they use the same substance, uh, rosin, which is legal. Um, so I, I get why a lot of Mets fans are not happy, and if I was a Mets fan, I wouldn't be happy either today. But um, I guess... I don't know. I guess they're really going to have to figure something out here. Um, I didn't realize that on the 2023 um, MLB memo that they sent out that if you use too much rosin, it's actually considered illegal. I just found that out on Twitter, hmm. um, according to John Harper of SNY. So I'm just surprised that we haven't heard that more. But that, uh, according to the memo, that's what it says. If you if you use too much rosin, the umpires can deem it an illegal substance if it's overused. And I guess that's what Scherzer did yesterday. They said his hand was so sticky that the umpire's fingers were sticking to his hand when they rubbed his, his hand. So I guess maybe that's a legit reason. But it's just it's kind of weird that the only umpire that has ejected pitchers this year, or I think it was last year too, has been Phil Cuzzy. So, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do about this, but they have to figure something out. Because if that's the case, then a lot more pitchers should be getting thrown out. Because you know a lot of other pitchers are using a lot of rosin. And then there's another rule, apparently, on this memo that says that you cannot use rosin in the dugout. And that's what Herman and Scherzer have been doing. But again, if Herman wasn't thrown out, why was Scherzer thrown out? Right. I mean, it's it's the consistency issue with it. Yep. Um... Yeah, and that's the thing with me at the end of the day, right, is, you know, we, I, from, and, and this part doesn't change for me from when I was playing to now on the coaching element side of things, where, in, I, I think a lot of this comes down to, like, say, like, the balls and strikes elements of it, right, but, like, you can be bad or have a bad day umpiring behind the play or something like that, as long as you're just consistent with it, like, and, but, but the key part here, right, it's just, we aren't talking about a specific umpire in, in this in, in this element in this situation. We're talking about it from a broad scale of we had a different umpiring crew. I believe it was was it Hoyt? Was it Hoyt on yeah. the Herman issue, right? I believe, yeah. To Phil Cuzzy with yesterday with Max. And that to me is something that um in it needs to be consistent across the board, not just one umpire specifically with their job. Um, this will be very funny the way I'm going to tell it here and the way it's going to come out. But um, last week I saw, and it's been out for a little bit now, but um, you remember Tim Donaghy, the, the NBA ref that yep. got 
Uh, obviously, we know about <laughs> the gambling ring and stuff like that that he was in. Uh, but he, you know, he says, like, it, it wasn't when he was refing uncommon for the NBA, whether it was midseason or, you know, preseason or anything like that, to come in and say, hey, this is getting a little bit out of hand. You need to hone in on this. And the refs would, at that point, go about handling it. And we we did see it in a way, obviously, with the with the substances, right? Um I guess now really dating back what two years now pretty much actually but um do you know it, it it's one of those things where because the nba all the officials to my knowledge i don't know yeah even the nhl uh, officials refs umpires they're in unions but you can tell them like you need to hone in on this like you can do that part of it i mean the nba has in the past mlb we've seen it through and through um like i i think this might be an element where it's like you get the umpires together here or you go to the union and tell them hey look at this we need to get this in check which they've done anyway and maybe do it again but to that element, maybe it's something that you have to do now, too, with the players, with Rosin. Um, like you said, I, I didn't know about um, about how they can kind of, de- excuse me, deem it to be excessive and make it illegal at that point. Yep. And then I'm just so. reading right now. I, I see these are things that we don't hear, yeah. but I guess Phil Cousy might be following the rule book because now I'm reading that if it's applied to a player's go- glove or any part of their uniform, it's deemed illegal. And they found some of it on his on his glove yesterday because they remember they made him change his right, glove yeah. the first time. So now, according to the rules, you can't have it on your glove or your uniform. Pitchers is for pitchers, but. You can use it on your hands, but also for your hands, it can't be too much or it can be illegal. There's just, I don't know. I, th- I still think Major League Baseball is going to have to do something about that. And why haven't we not heard about those rules more? And why is Phil Cuzzy and his crew the only one that seems to enforce this rule? You know other pitchers have it on their gloves or are using a lot more uh rosin than uh or the same amount of rosin that scherzer has probably been using so i think major league baseball still has to do something about that because if those rules are true you know other pitchers are doing it and why aren't the umpires enforcing them to to follow the rules yeah i mean and that's the thing with this too it's not like i'm sorry excuse me i've got hiccups here this is a first for a podcast (laughs) um but um I'm sorry. Oh, boy. This is rough. <laughs> Kyle, I need you to pinch hit my take here, even though you might not know what I'm about to say. Uh, but, like, Phil Cuzzy, like, he's typically one of the good umpires. Like, he's found himself in controversy before, but typically, because I'm sorry, I, I really do apologize, everybody. Um, he's, he is typically consistent in what he does. You know, and I mean, if he is following the the rule to a point, then 
I mean, I get he's doing his job, you know. Yeah, and that's the thing though. Like it's, you know, how many umpire crews are out there? Why is it just so weird that he's the only one? And even with these umpire checks, I don't think we've seen pitchers really get checked as much as Phil Cozzi has checked his the pitchers that he's uh, doing the games for this year. Like if you watch him with the Herman thing, before he even knew that Herman had a lot of stuff. He was, like, really rubbing his hand, and he did that again with Scherzer yesterday. So it's just it's just so weird that, like, he's the only one that's really checking pitchers, but nobody else is. But now that I'm reading the rules, there's not really any reason to be mad at Phil Cuzzy because no. he's following the rule book. I think, I think the issue that I fall into is just the consistency of it, right? Is And I think that's where I think as baseball fans collectively, right, we got to we – gotta, be the most upset we can't I don't think I don't think getting mad at because I saw some people mad at Max Scherzer with this and it's just like are, are you dumb but I don't think you can be mad at Max Scherzer I don't think you can be mad at Phil Cuzzy when again going back to something I said Monday like if you ain't cheating you ain't trying in a sense right like I, and you know we, we've spent enough time on this and I know you you touched on it anyway but look much to what some of the people on the internet may think. Max is not done for 80 games. It's only 10 games. You know, there's no way around it. It is what it is. And that kind of, and this is something we'll touch on here more when we talk about the Giants series here in a second, but um, that's something that kind of has now put the rotation in limbo here for the next cycle. And we'll kind of see whether, you know, if they end up calling somebody up again or, uh, they just kind of roll with like a bullpen game. I know Tommy Hunter's back uh, off the IL, for example. You know, it, it will remain to be seen. Yeah, and before we move on quickly, I was just thinking in my head right now, even if Major League Baseball comes out and announces something, how are players going to know if the rosin is too much? Yeah, that's that, good like, point. What is yeah. too much? Yeah. And again, is different umpire crew is going to make different judgment calls like oh that guy has too much but another crew that might the guy might have the same amount and what says a, it's fine and what about a weather related issue with that in mind too yeah. so i i don't know i really think they got to come out and say that pitchers can use as much as they want like how can you get away from that you can't say they can't have it now or yeah i mean i, I don't know I've, I've seen people do the thing where it's like they should just come out with a baseball that's got something on it but you know to that to that end it it doesn't play well for the other elements of the field you know potentially i i look i don't think me i don't think you i don't think our the viewers and listeners i don't know if any one of us have the exact answer right but i think to me either do away with it completely or i'm with you kyle just i don't think i don't I don't see a way that you can kind of limit the use of it in a sense. When, when, and look, maybe you can limit it in the sense of like, right? Maybe you're just more of a Hawkeye into the dugout watching it or something like that. But I mean, when the league supplies it each game on the back of the mound, I I don't see a way around it. Yeah. Did sense. you know his spin rate was the exact same even with all that uh, rosin on his hand? So what does that tell you? Yeah, the numbers were the same. Yeah. I, like, he, he got asked about that in his post game. He's like, Max, did you know your spin rate was the exact same when you had that stuff on your what, hand? What does that tell you, then, about the previous two starts on the year, then, for him? You know, I, to me, that tells me that nothing changed. He didn't do anything that he wasn't doing before then. And it was 
again, going back to what I brought up, where it's the crew by crew opinion of what what is too much. Yeah, it's a judgment call, and it's just it, things are not going to get better if that's the way it's going to be. Right. Yeah. All right, we we've spent enough time kind of harping on this, and um, what there is one one note to make here with the Mets also uh, injury wise, and that revolves around Carlos Carrasco. Uh, he has received an injection in his right elbow to relieve inflammation caused by a bone spur. Uh, this isn't a particularly good injury usually to have in the first place, uh, but especially uh, for Carrasco, he had a similar injury back in 2021. Uh, that resulted in him having to get surgery. It was at the tail end of the season. He was still with the Guardians at the time. Um, but at this point, he won't be throwing for the next three to five days, more than likely the full five. Uh, and will be reevaluated at that point. Uh, his spot does come up in the rotation here um, against San Fran. Uh, would guess we'll see somebody that's not on the MLB roster at this point come in and do that. Uh, it's kind of what I was alluding to, where the Scherzer thing kind of puts the rotation in a limbo. They could probably have pushed Max to come up a day or something like that to do it. Uh, be really interesting to see you know a guy in Syracuse doing really well that does have a lot of big league experience albeit while he's young I would be really intrigued to see if Joey Lucchese gets the call given that San Fran is left-handed heavy in a lot of spots in the lineup so uh be interesting there but uh they're hoping to avoid surgery with him uh if he does go down with surgery we're talking with a much longer timeline for Carrasco to come back yep or they could make a 40-man move and bring up Dylan Bundy, who, remember, signed a minor league deal. I believe that was almost three weeks ago now. but Yeah, it was right at pretty much the start of the year. Yep, so I guess that's an option. Um, probably, probably not your best option because he struggled a bit lately, but... You know, at this point, just like the Yankees are doing with Schmidt, you gotta you got to put someone in the rotation. Um, so, yeah, that'll be interesting to watch. I personally agree with you. I don't think this is good news for Carrasco. And, you know, I don't know. I, I'm feeling like he's going to need surgery, you know, these injuries. Yeah, you can shut them down for three to five days, but be honest, what's three to five days really going to do? I think it's going to take a lot longer for him to, um, you know, come back than yeah. three to five days. All right, I will we'll see. I'm with you there, yeah. All right, let's um, let's head over here and discuss uh, the series against the Giants uh, that the Mets have four games uh, in San Francisco uh, going from today through Sunday. Uh, tonight, a 9.45 first pitch on SNY. Kodai Senga gets the nod. He'll be going against Sean Manaya, uh, looking for his first decision on the year. Tomorrow night, 10.15 first pitch, also on SNY, to be announced for the Mets against Anthony DiScalfani. Saturday, 4-5 first pitch on Fox. It's David Peterson, 1-2, a 6-10 ERA for him against Logan Webb, who's 0-4 and a 4-9-4 ERA for the Giant Ace. And then Sunday, 7-10, Sylor Magill goes up against to be announced for the Giants on ESPN. Uh, You, actually, Kyle, uh, who is the mic'd up player for Sunday Night Baseball this week? Brandon Nimmo. All right. See, look what happens, kids. Get hot. You get to be on ESPN. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the Giants are a really strange team. The NL West has been a really strange division to kind of watch this year. Do you know, Kyle, the only team above 500, which means they are leading the division? Yes. All right. The Arizona Diamondbacks. I'm proud of you. 
the Fighting Tory Luivos. Yeah, I've been watching quite a bit of their games. Uh, they've been playing better than I thought they would. I'm be. a big uh, Corbin Carroll guy, so. Um, but that's that's a different discussion for a different day. Yeah, seeing um, the Padres and Dodgers below 500 right. is crazy. Yeah. Um, I'm on three of four. Just the old adage that it's hard to take a four-game series uh, for the Mets. Um, I think the question mark is going to be tomorrow night. Like I, I just it's the only spot that they technically have TBA pitching wise, um, and I just it's tough if you're going to be coming. I I would imagine they already have made their move. We just don't know it yet. Type scenario because. Uh, Look, if they're calling somebody from Syracuse up, like they gotta be on a plane, like right now, more or less. Um, so I, that's kind of what I'm, I'm thinking anyway. But I'm on three or four. It's just tough to do the four game sweeps. We've 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 said it enough times over the course of, you know, the year plus we've been doing the podcast. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I would probably agree with you, but I'm just gonna come out and say it. I'm feeling a Mets sweep. Boy. I think the Giants are not good at all. And here's just an interesting stat before we move on. I was looking at numbers last night. The Giants have struck out the most this year, 188 times, and they're 6-11 and on the year. They're not a very good baseball team right now. Um, I know it's a tough West Coast trip as it is. It's going to be a, you know 10 days when it's all said and done, but I don't know. I'm just feeling a sweep. I respect it. I love it. All right, well, we have uh, the Yankees to get to and our minor league friends, so we're going to have to kind of rush through some of this. And we also have some uh, minor breaking news here, by the way. This might be our one-hour show today. Yeah, it's probably going to push it. Uh, but we do have some minor breaking news here that I feel the need that would be very imperative given where the Yankees and Mets kind of stand on a certain player. Do we have breaking news? Per Jeff Passan. Shoyo Tani could be traded this season and will definitely leave the Angels if they fall out of playoff contention. Well, we know that's happening. <laughs> so, buckle up. It's going to be a fun summer. <laughs> An Otani trade mid-season? Yeah. That's absolutely incredible. That would um, be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Um, one of those things where, like, I'm, look, I was clearing away. I, I, full disclosure, I joined the iPhone team over the weekend. Oh, time. And um, I'm still getting used to some things, so I'm trying to. I was trying to clear out some notifications. All of a sudden, that popped up. I'm like, "Oh, that's you know." <laughs> Wait, you have notifications turned on? No, no. I well, I have. Yeah, like you, you know, the same. Whatever. I I've gone down a different path. I should probably get off of. Anyway, the Yankees. Um, luckily, there's not a ton to kind of talk about this Angels series so far in the grand scheme of things, right? They've split. Um, your headlines aren't tremendously overwhelming in that sense. It was good to see Johnny Brito bounce back last night. Um, that was kind of the question mark I had going into the series was, you know, first time he's been rocked, you know, what's it going to look like coming out of it? And looked really good, all things considered, I thought. Um, obviously, it's one of those things, you know, you always hope things could be better, but I don't know, coming off of the way he performed against Minnesota, I don't know how they could have been better than they were last night for, for the rookie. Yeah, it was a good bounce back start for him. He could have I I would have liked a little more distance, but whatever. It's way better than his last start. But the offense, yeah, they've won. They've split the first two, but the offense has really been dead. So it'd be nice to see them get going later this afternoon. But yeah, we'll we'll, we'll circle back to that in a moment here because I do want to talk a couple minutes here because you just came right out and tweeted it, um, and I think it's definitely fair at this point to have the discussion of is the Clark Schmidt starter experiment over yet. 
Um, I, I think if any indication of what we saw Tuesday is the marker, I think it should be. Uh, we've seen them, you know, last year he had some starts, obviously this year. And I look, I love Clark Schmidt. I love his complete total package he brings as a pitcher, uh, the repertoire and everything. Um, I just I just think he would fit the role that Mike King has at the moment. And for the Yankees, I'd like to have two of those arms. I've always loved having two of those arms. I, for instance, I wish things were different with Chad Green and Adam Warren, for example. You know, that's a name to, to dig out of the past a little bit. But um, I, I'm kind of with you, Kyle. It's I think the experiment is is should be over for Clark Schmidt as a starter. Hey, it should be over. But as Marin Boone said the other night, it can't be over. Right. No, I mean, but that's the thing with it, too. And but, yeah. but I just looked at the 40-man roster because I'm like, really, what can they do other than Schmidt right now? The guys have been struggling the last few seasons, but at this point, Davey Garcia? I was going to say, you're really going to say him, aren't Davey you? Garcia? You give him a shot? I mean, could he be any worse? I mean, be be honest. He has been successful when he's when he's been yeah. called up. He hasn't gotten rocked really too bad. Um, he, he only has eight career starts. Right. Um, I mean, in your opinion, is this kind of like the patch job until either, I mean, obviously Rodon, but like even like a guy like Luis Hill is ready to come back from Tommy John? Yeah, well, I, I think honestly when Severino gets back, which is going to be way sooner than Rodon, right. we, we yeah. think right now, um, then yeah. Schmidt's definitely out. But And I think they keep Brito in there for now. But, yeah, they got to move Schmidt to the bullpen. He's better in a multi-inning relief role, and I feel like they can get him in lanes where he's mostly facing right-handed batters because, again, like the other night to Otani, he cannot get left-handed hitters out. It's very bad. Uh, hitters are hitting like 300 against him, left-handers. Yeah. Speaking of Otani, now it's time that we discuss. Aaron Judge, have a day last night. Um, start off with a great catch, and um, hey, you know, some there's a there's the old adage I'd rather be lucky than good and uh he kind of had that element a little bit with that last night at the very least he would have at least probably you know kept the uh home run in the in the yard or well the wannabe home run in the yard then proceeds to to lead off the Yankees offensive night with a home run as well so um always good to see the captain in that sense come out and just have one of those games where it's you know his game Kind of in a sense, uh, I know, and I know. Obviously, you know, you talk about the offense, and Glaber came up big, came up clutch, uh, bringing in the sack fly winning run. But um, you know, one of those things where it's like, kind of had Aaron Judge's fingerprint right on that game the whole time. Yeah, it wasn't uh, a clean catch, and as Judge said after the game, when they asked him what makes him such a great outfielder, he said, "If I was a great outfielder, I would have caught it right on the fly." <laughs> and I thought that was cool, but. Right. Yeah, um, that honestly, Aaron Judge is the reason they won that game. Um, he made that diving catch in the eighth inning, I believe, was to save the lead or to keep the game tied. So he had two great catches in the home run. Um, without him last night, they would have lost. The offense was dead. Uh, Glaber Torres, before that sack fly, was on a one for twenty-one right. slide after starting off the, the season incredibly good and hot. Yep. Um, Oswaldo Cabrera's cooled off just a tad bit. He did have a hit last night. Franchi Cordero's cooled off. Although Anthony Volpe is uh, coming up, yeah, hitting 300 over his last eight games and eight for eight in stolen bases now. Um, 
But, yeah, right, and then without Stanton in the lineup, you know, the offense just really isn't clicking too much. 0 for 9 with runners in scoring position last night. Um, and then I don't think it's going to get any easier today. Patrick Sandoval's on the mound. Yeah. So it's going to be tough, but they got to get going offensively, especially at the bottom of the order. Yeah, I mean, it's actually it's funny because this leads really well into, you know, the injury updates here that we have. And we'll begin with the offensive player in Josh Donaldson, right? Uh Rehab game, one for three. On the surface, we thought, okay, that's, you know, pretty good. Uh, until it comes out that he experienced some tightness in that right hamstring again uh, that will shelf him here. I, I've seen <laughs> I've seen two diagnoses of day-to-day and indefinitely, so I don't know what the hell is exactly going on there. But um, it, it's one of those things where, to me, it's um, – and I had this discussion actually with my brother because he's just like, well – and Donald's thing isn't working. I'm like, yeah, it's not working out, but, you know, which bet would you rather have in the lineup at this point, you know, his or Aaron Hicks? <laughs> um, and I, I, I'm very confident in saying even I would take Donaldson. Uh, you know, and, and it's tough because, you know, he's a guy that, um, frankly, things haven't worked out, you know, as we had hoped. But uh, – I, I Like I said, I'd, it's one of those guys where I'd much rather have him in the lineup every day than a couple other guys uh, with the team. Should I say it or should I not? I'd go ahead. The floor is yours. I'm, I'm, a, I'm clear in the path. Should I be honest? I'd go ahead. I'd be okay if you take a couple of months off. Well, I... and listen, there's other ways around it without putting Hicks in the lineup if he stays out of the lineup. Right. I, well, Peraza? Well, I, I was going to say, I, I probably should have prefaced the better. Like, LeMahieu being back is... Big here, but go back. Yeah. If I'm the Yankees, Peraza's going back in the starting lineup tonight or this afternoon. You got a lefty on the mound, stack the lineup with right handed batters. I think Peraza deserves another shot. He, uh, I think he was 0 for 4 the other night, but he did get hit by a pitch. But yeah, you let the, let, let Peraza play today. Yeah, so um, with Donaldson, MRI, still, treat, still getting treatment uh, with that. Um, and, look, he's obviously as bummed out. I mean, it certainly seemed like he was going to be back sooner than later uh, going into this week, and now it's not the case. As for the other end of things, Carlos Rodon comes out. Uh, he had, like, a split bullpen, which um, that should have been the indication of something possibly being up. Uh, but um, dealing, obviously, coming back from the elbow issue, but uh, it's really his back that's uh, kind of testing him at the moment. Um, test came back normal per Aaron Boone or haven't come back yet, but he said that the portions of it came back normal, whatever that means. Uh, Boone also said, uh, you know, we got to get the back situation calmed down a little bit. It's frustrating for him, certainly. Again, the elbow is good. I don't think this is anything that's a big deal other than a new a nuisance uh, that's slowing him down a little bit. We know he's going to be worth the wait. And I agree, certainly going to be worth the wait, but um, – a guy like Rodon, we've we've kind of seen in the past, maybe collectively as a Yankee fandom here, uh, guys with back issues as tall-sided pitchers usually don't work out all that well. Uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's tough because uh, we probably go from maybe seeing Rodon back first to probably not being the guy. Kind of probably being Severino back before Rodon at this point. Yeah, um, if I had to say one thing that's been – the most disappointing would be probably Rodon. You know, you gave him $162 million over six years, and he hasn't even appeared in a game yet. He's already dealing with an injury. 
Um, and he has dealt with injuries the past couple of years. So it's concerning. And as a lot of people are saying on Twitter and all over Instagram, Carl Pervano. Carl Pervano. Don't, don't, don't bring him up with me. Yep. No. So I don't know. I don't know when we're going to see him. I mean, he keeps, he, let's be honest again, Boone likes to, you know, kind of not say everything and just be very positive. Right. If he's, th- this back issue's popping up for the second time, I mean, when are we going to see him? He's not just going to start throwing if his back keeps hurting. Yeah, I, in, I don't know. Like, I mean, yeah, the it, tests it sounds, are clean. It sounds, it sounds like he's still throwing. It's just like this back thing is not allowing him to go 100%. Like, the tests are clean, but, I mean, how is he going to throw? How is he going to be 100%? Right. He's still a long way away. He's got to build his pitch count all the way up. Right. He's got to go into rehab games. Yeah. I don't see how people are saying he's going to be mid-May for a return. I mean, we're almost into it to me now we only have what 10 days left yeah i mean i'm i'm, I'm with you i i hear you there yeah i mean so i think we're, we might not see him until june at best yeah i i don't know about maybe june at, depends like the back thing here I, I i don't know like what he's fully kind of dealing with in that sense i mean like you look at the mets they put tim lacaster on the 10 day il with back spasms like i it's backs are are tricky things you know i i just i don't know what to what to make of it, I guess, in that sense. I know other teams deal with injuries, but why is it always the Yankees, it seems like? Like, for real, I remember 2019, that had to be the worst year in terms of injuries. Yeah, yeah. But it just always, with these, why is it also with these guys that they give big contracts to? Like the Hicks, you know? Like, why is it the six, seven-year deal guys that always are injured? It makes no sense. It's like a curse. And I'm not even acting like Frank Fleming right now. <laughs> You're doing your best to, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I I don't know. I, I I hear you. I just I, it's whatever. Um, let's uh, transition over here um, to the series wrap up today uh, against the Angels, and then uh, they have the Blue Jays coming into town. Um, as you already mentioned, Kyle, today 405 first pitch, which is interesting on the East Coast anyway. Uh, on yes, Patrick Sandoval against Nestor Cortez um, would expect kind of going back to. I, I think the Yankees get it done tonight, uh, today, either way. Uh, the three against the Blue Jays is interesting. Uh, preface it with this. The Yankees have listed TBA across the board. Two of those games should at least be Garrett Cole and Domingo Herman. Uh, I don't know what the exact plan is for that third game. Um Kind of been one of those things where I, I, I don't know if they'll go. Who would be in line? I'm trying to think back to. I mean, Schmidt maybe. Schmidt maybe. Yeah, Schmidt would be at a. His fifth day would be Sunday. Oh, so, God. Maybe. I don't know. You know, that's what they'll probably do. I mean. That's TBA. Yeah, but like I said, you should see Herman and Cole for sure in there somewhere. I'd rather take a bullpen game at that point. Right. Right. Uh, so tomorrow night, 7.05 first pitch on. Apple TV Plus. For the first time this year. Yeah, Yoshi Kikuchi goes for Toronto. Uh, 105 on yet for Saturday. They'll see Alec Manoa. And then Sunday will be Kevin Gossman of 135 first pitch on yes. Uh, he goes for Toronto. Uh, I think the Yankees still at least win the series. It, it just depends where everybody kind of ends up shaking out pitching-wise, I guess. I I don't, I don't like going into seeing TBAs and giving a – Confident prediction in that sense. Damn it. They're going to get swept. <clears throat> uh, 
I'm feeling I'm feeling a Blue Jays sweep, and uh, all right, fine. I won't say a sweep. Yankees get one somehow, some way. Maybe Garrett Cole will start. Beat Manoa. <clears throat> but I just feel like they cannot. I know Manoa struggled, but Manoa owns them honestly. Yeah. If you look at his career numbers against the Yankees, no, no, lights right. out. You're right. You're and Gosman, right. I can't remember if he's good against the Yankees, but anyway, he's a good pitcher. So, and then with Clark, it's probably going to be Clark Schmidt. I see one, one out of three. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I, I, I think they win the series at least, but, you know. All right, before we get out here, let's, uh, we do have to spend a couple minutes here on Syracuse and Rochester. Uh, Rochester split so far. They're down in Norfolk for the week. Uh, but, you know, even the loss, the offense was kind of there a little bit. But I think having some stability kind of in that lineup at the moment, there hasn't been too, too many shakeups. Uh, all things considered, it's interesting, like I said, no more Mazzara's there now. But, you know, that lineup has stayed the same here, at least through the first two games. And I think that's key. I think that's also the key to kind of how they got hot last week there for a the little bit was the same dudes in the lineup doing the same thing. Um and it's pretty interesting. I'd be interested in your take on this a little bit. But, uh, you know, their starting pitching uh, noticeably has been rough. That bullpen they got is really good. Like, it's sneakily, like, kind of leading the pitching staff at this point. Yeah, I haven't been, honestly, paying too close attention to the teams. Um, but, you know, it seems like Rochester's getting back on track a little bit. And... Syracuse just continues to seem like they win all the time. Um, but was was that game, did they finish that game last night? I know they were in a rain delay, Rochester. Yeah, they did. They, well, I, I don't know if they maybe necessarily finished it, but they got credited with the win. So, oh, yeah, so it was a shutout, shutout victory. Yeah, so pitching was came up big in that one. But you know what I've noticed too with Rochester? If you look at a lot of their losses, they're close games. And I felt like that was the way last year too when we were kind of talking. They, Rochester is always losing close games. One run, two runs, three yeah. runs. They don't really get blown out. Um, so I guess that's encouraging. I feel like eventually Rochester is going to go on a run, and we're going to start talking about them a lot more. Yeah. And then on the flip side here, you know, look at the other end of the throughway. I mean, Syracuse, they lost by one Tuesday to Durham. Uh, and yesterday was postponed because of weather. It's a straight doubleheader today, so – should be decent enough weather if you can get out. It's technically Buck Thursday uh, in addition to that, so plenty of opportunity there. Uh, but really, I mean, Mark Vientos is just on a continued tear here. Uh, let alone what he did in the first for you know week and a half of the season, but specifically the last three games. Seven for nine, three doubles, two home runs, six runs scored, and eight RBIs. Um, as you can tell by Evan Stockton, who is one of the broadcasters for the Mets, uh, they're looking for they're running out of ideas for things to call for when things happen with Mark Vientos, and uh, that's a credit to Mark. He's been one of the Mets' top prospects here for for a couple of years, and um, he's been really that spearheaded guy or one of them. You know, Mauricio's up there too, but um, that's just kind of really carrying this team uh, and, and kind of leading the, the drum. I mean, I know. Uh, with the loss, they they dropped uh, a couple spots in the standings. But like, uh, I keep going back to the way we predicted the season. I mean, it's one of those things that um, you know you need guys like that just performing the way they should perform. And you know, look at look at the results. They kind of speak for themselves. Yeah, Vientos. I'm looking at his numbers real quick. Six home runs, 17 RBIs, which I think is team leading, obviously. Yeah. And then a 364 average. And then you look at 
Mauricio, and he has six home runs as well, 14 RBIs, and a 355 average. So they're almost neck and neck in terms of stats, and they've been incredible, and that's the reason why the Syracuse Mets have a winning record right now. So good stuff from them. And then obviously I know Syracuse, uh, they go back on the road next week. We'll touch on that Monday. And I know Rochester's back home, uh, which I do want to kind of tease a little bit for that because uh, you know who they play next week, Kyle, by chance? Any guess? Ooh. It's probably a team that they don't play often. That'd be correct. It would be the first time they're hosting this team. Is it the same team they're playing this week? No. Not Norfolk. I thought they'd maybe go on. Yeah. Oh. They're playing. They're hosting the St. Paul Saints. Oh. First time that the AAA team of the Twins returns to Rochester since they left. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so it uh, be interesting there to kind of see, uh, at least on the coaching side of things, a couple familiar faces come back. So that would be interesting stuff there. Um, so that will do it for Concrete Jungle for today. Uh, catch up anytime, YouTube, Spotify, um, Watch live on YouTube Mondays and Thursdays. Um, I don't know. I'm going to try and maybe get to a Syracuse game this week. I don't know if it's actually going to work out, but uh, any big plans baseball-wise for you, Kyle, this weekend or just kind of watching everything as they come in? Yeah, just kind of watching, betting, winning money, been winning every night. Um, <laughs> <Atta> boy. <laughs> yeah, $70 last night. Hey, look at you go. Doing well on underdog fantasy. And uh, Before we head out, Tommy Kainley's throwing at the stadium right now. Oh, in the outfield, it looks like he's thrown from about 90 feet, I would say. So not news. too far, but at least it's encouraging news. Yeah. A lot of breaking news here today, apparently, on uh, on Concrete Jungle. But yeah, hopefully we have more news on him on Monday. Yeah, definitely. All right, appreciate everybody for tuning in. We will talk to everybody next week. Enjoy the weekend, everybody.